1: Welcome back to the Principal Leadership Lab, a podcast experience created for you by two public school administrators. Without further ado, let's join Jeff and Adam in this week's episode.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. to Another episode of the Principal Leadership Lab tonight, episode 53. Adam DeWitt
1: is my trusty co-host and good friend. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. I don't know you've ever called me trusty. So that's, that's a good step for episode 53.
0: Well, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen you in a couple of months. So um, maybe I've forgotten. I mean, in, in person, in person anyway, yeah. you know, yeah. in person. Yeah. Hey, I have good
1: news. Yeah. Tell me. Today, behind the cheddar curtain, we're like it's like grilled cheese. It's like sixty-eight degrees. What? uh, It's fading. It's probably down to sixty-three. But I had the top off today. Not not my top, but my Wrangler top. That on. Yeah. uh, It was fantastic. I get a little redness on the top of my head. It was beautiful.
0: That's a gorgeous day here in northern sunny Illinois. It was almost eighty-five. I couldn't believe it. That like is April 85. What are we doing with 85 degree weather in April? I don't like it. I mean, I'm so happy for the, for the warm weather. Don't get me wrong, but I do not like heat and humidity. I'll take seventies. That 63 day you had up there. I'll take that any day, any day.
1: Well, I still would take 98% humidity and 98 degree oh. I prefer that, but yeah. No, that's that's okay. Then you're. I've then lived you're... through enough of those negative thirty days here in Wisconsin, and it's not cool. That's not. No. That's not good. Negative thirty. No, it's really not. No. It's really not. Hey, I'm wondering what the uh, temperature is down in Virginia. I bet so... it's heating up because I think there's a nice book out there, and there's some some Whoa. really cool technology specialists or or uh, <laughs> elementary tech coaches out there. Let's find out, huh?
0: Tonight's episode, everybody, school-based technology specialist in Fairfax County, Virginia, and a soon-to-be published author, Debbie Tannenbaum. Debbie, how are you tonight?
2: I'm great. Thank you guys so much for having me. And it's
0: Uh, been in
2: the high 70s up in Virginia today. And sunny. Okay.
0: See, so I could take that high 70s. That's that's all right. That's the it's getting a little warm for me, but like I'm a I'm a mid 70s, low 70s kind of person. I love
1: that. So I know, Debbie, that this is probably not relevant to most of our technology talk tonight, but I saw a TV show and some of the Virginia stuff that's happening, like they pick ginger root in the in the spring. Right. Did you ever see that show where they're picking ginger?
0: Yeah, no. I have.
1: No. No. So both of us have from from the Midwest. It's probably like fosters for beer in Australia. They don't really drink (laughs) fosters. So anyway, there was a show I saw that they picked ginger and it's like big bucks. Or no, it's not ginger. What is it, Jeff? No, it's it's not. It's
0: It's like like a root, though. It's a root. Yeah, ginseng. Is it? Yeah. Big money, Debbie. Big money. Okay. Figure it out, it's down well, by you somewhere in the woods. We'll put the link in the if, show if notes. I'm an, if I'm an
2: educator, I'm not in it for the big money, anyways. <laughs>
0: That's why you got to go hunting for this root. Yes. I don't yes.
2: have time to go hunting right now, plus, I don't hunt. So
0: <laughs> these guys don't really either, they just pick through the grass and they dig. <laughs> they dig for this route yep. apparently it's big i mean like, it's very big money and uh yeah well, I,
2: virginia kind of has two parts we have the southern part of virginia and then we have northern virginia and i'm in the northern part of virginia so it's maybe that's little, it it's a little different in those two parts
0: maybe maybe that's it have you always been in virginia
2: no i actually was born in pennsylvania and lived in maryland for 17 years
1: oh, okay all right all right wow Well, I escaped behind the Cheddar Curtain. and lived in Illinois for a few years when I met Jeff. And then uh, I got a visa to go back behind the Cheddar Curtain. I've lived here ever since. Visa. You need a visa to be up there? I should say pizza.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You do have good pizza up there. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, hey, l- enough of this. I mean, it's a lot of fun. We could go on for for hours, but uh, let's let's get to know you, Debbie. I mean, for those who might not know you, I mean, you you're like I mentioned you're a, a school-based technology specialist and in your third or fourth year in this position, am I right about that?
2: Um, this is my third year in the position.
0: Third year in the position. Okay. So, uh, let's let's just hear about that. I mean, let's start there. Tell us uh, tell us your education journey and how did you how did you get where you're at now?
2: So I'm one of those people who's always wanted to be a teacher. Originally, I wanted to be an elementary school French teacher. Not sure why, but I thought it sounded fun. I went to college for that. And then in my first year of teaching, um, found technology and realized that my students could do amazing things. And this is like back in 98, 97. Yeah. Um, and so we were just using Scholastic, web, the Scholastic website, to do things back then. And I got really interested, and I'm lucky that I had a great um, technology teacher who was working with me, who kind of helped me, you know, work on that. And I decided to get my master's in technology back in 2002. And um, I just kept working with things in technology. I just always loved learning new tech when we went. You know to Promethean boards I was really into that and helped with that effort. when we went one-to-one I was really interested in that and then in 2017 I came to the district I'm in now and my principal introduced me to Twitter
0: oh boy
2: and I had never experienced anything like it and I honestly thought it was just for celebrities and I was definitely resistant
1: that's and- probably how she found us because we're like celebrities <laughs> yeah. on Twitter oh, okay. <laughs> It's a good one. I like that.
2: (laughs) And I just started following people and developing a social media presence and listening to podcasts and connecting with people. And things just kind of went from there. Uh, And I started to blog um, in 2019 because of a Twitter chat I had participated in. And then in 2020, I got hacked and I lost everything. Oh Oh, no. So. I ended up recreating myself in a lot of ways as Tannenbaum Tech. I was Mrs. B before, but in that time I was doing Twitter, after my first year using Twitter, um, I was encouraged to become a technology specialist in my district. And so that's what I've been doing for the past three years. I absolutely love it. I get to work with kids and help them use technology to learn, but I also get to work with teachers and help them to see ways to give opportunities with tech. That they might not have the chance to discover or might not know. Sometimes that means I'm teaching, like as part of the special schedule in the elementary school. Sometimes that means I go in and I co teach. That's absolutely my favorite part. Mm-hmm. I get to do trainings with teachers. I have also learned in the last year doing trainings with other staff, like instructional assistants, has been phenomenal. And Right now, my job is kind of changing every day because we're in that hybrid situation and we're continuing to bring more kids in. So I'm doing a lot more tech support recently, but out of school, like I said, I've been blogging for two years and I've been doing a lot of presentations and sharing the awesome things my students and my teachers have been doing. And last year I wrote a book, (laughs) which is coming out very soon.
0: Wow. Yeah. How exciting! We're gonna we're definitely gonna get into that uh, into your book and how you uh, how how that came about and so um, Tannenbaum Bomb Tech, huh? I love
1: I love that and that's that's the title of your of your blog site, isn't it? Your website?
2: Absolutely, yeah.
1: And the website's loaded with information. Of course, all the blogs and podcasts and all that kind of stuff. It just it's very well laid out, and you can tell that you've taken a lot of time to make sure that it's uh, useful for people to browse because how many websites have we been on where I'm going to look for something? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to give up, but yours is very well played. So Thank you. Good
2: job. I've been working with um, Jeff Argus, and we've been doing some work on it together and I'm just trying to make it so that people know when they come to my site, what value they can get. So mm-hmm. I've spent, I've been spending quite a bit of time on my website, kind of looking at that as the umbrella that everything falls under.
1: So you said that you, uh, you started using Twitter back in what did you say? 2012?
2: 2017.
1: 2017. Do you happen? This is very superficial, but do you happen to remember the first person you followed? Ooh.
2: I think it was my principal.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I was just curious. I, I like to ask that question of people when they say, Oh, I started using Twitter back whenever. And I don't remember who my first person was, but a little bit of a claim to fame Jessica Johnson from Wisconsin and yeah. um, the, the coach book that the, I forget what it's called, something about coaching. Um, yep. Yep. You're right. I can't think of it right now, but I will uh, coach the coach approach. Anyway, yeah, coach approach. She had just started on Twitter and I started talking to her and we we're both from Wisconsin. And I just was like, this is a small, small world that we're in. You know, Twitter has really flattened the world to bring back another book from a long time ago. Mm-hmm.
2: I just remember right around the time I joined Twitter, I just, I bought Casey Bell's book, shake up learning. And I tweeted out a picture of me with the book. And when she wrote me back, I thought I was like the coolest person on earth. Yeah. yeah.
1: So think about how that uh, parlays with students And, and we try to fabricate authentic audiences within a school environment, but if they were writing and then posting to Twitter, and I know a lot of schools don't allow it because it's social media, but think about the feedback that they get, the good and the bad. And even if we had to put limits on who could respond, it would still be like when I write and I put something on Twitter, I pay attention to my, my periods, my commas to make sure, sure. I spelled right, to make sure I take the right Dr. P instead of some, you know, some weird wrong guy. So yeah, I, I, I love that the ability there is to have a, a very authentic audience in, in, in the real world. And we all have access to it.
2: But even as my students are working, you know, I take pictures of what they do, mm-hmm. and then I'm able to tweet that out as well awesome. um, mm-hmm. on the school's Twitter handle. So, you know, it's really, I think, a really important thing. Telling your school story, telling your story is really important. And social media provides us a great way to do that, because if you're not telling your story, somebody else is, and they mm-hmm. might not tell it as well as you can.
0: So true. So true.
1: I've been yeah. telling Jeff's story better than he can, so <laughs> it's been helpful for him. That's
0: so why you're
2: finishing the book for him.
0: That's right. Yep. That's why he's <laughs> writing. That's why he's writing my forward. Uh, I'm gonna ghostwrite <laughs> it. Uh, that's great. So you're a late bloomer, today to twitter honestly yeah. you know you really are just that's just five years ago right i mean I, I just looked as you mentioned that i looked to see because i pretty well, i was pretty sure when i joined it was back in tw- uh, 2008 and i i think like adam you know one of those first people that i followed was probably jessica johnson was probably adam welcome I and mean, it was probably some of those people that i that like you debbie thought were like oh my gosh it's only for like famous people or, or at least people who are edu famous you know people yep. who were like big out there on Twitter and they were educators yeah. and kind of changing the game of education. You know, that's what I think I loved about Twitter and was so drawn to it because, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to be part of that, you know, I wanted to be a part of that movement. And so. Um, yeah, absolutely.
2: It, I remember when I went to ISTI in 2019 and I would go up to these people who I had like been idolizing, I was fangirling over right. and they would act like, you know, it was no big deal. And now looking at that now, knowing that like I'm getting, I have all these other things happening. Like I get it. But in 2019, I was like, that person is giving me a hug. (laughs) You know, I have all these pictures of me with people and I kind of viewed them as being like superhuman. Now I I have different perceptions of that, but it was just funny back then, but it helped me to learn that I could take risks that I couldn't have taken Mm -hmm. before that experience.
0: Well, what do you think it is about that? I mean, taking risks before you, you know, that you probably wouldn't have before. I mean, maybe that gave, gave you some, um, you know, give, it gives people some, some confidence that they didn't know they had, maybe.
2: Yeah. I mean, I just found that after going to ISTE, I try, I did all these things that I normally don't do. I'm a mother of four. Mm-hmm. So it's been a long time since I like got to do like what I would consider fun things. But when I was at ISTE, I did fun things. It was just me. I was on my own and I was a little nervous about doing those things, but I did them. And it really helped me to realize that if you get past that fear, that you can really do things that you didn't think you could do. And so I didn't think I could write a book. I got past that fear. Next week, I have my first keynote. I got past that fear. So as I continue to push past the fear, I'm finding ways to, you know, continue to grow and evolve and transform.
1: Mm. Hey Jeff, did we go to ISTI in Chicago or was that ASCD? No, it was it was ISTI,
0: and it okay. may have been 2019. Okay. It
2: was in Philly. Oh
0: no, that, that was the next was, year. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's right. That, so it was the year before. Whatever the year was in Chicago, that was yeah. ISTI though. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Wow. I think I think it's you know probably you know, Twitter was the catalyst, you know, I, I think yeah. for a lot of people, Twitter was the catalyst and, and it just, it's, it's about, you know, it's how we met, you know, through, through um, the teach better team mastermind, you know, the admin mastermind, and then through, through social media and and Twitter. And, and uh, I think it just is, it's about connections with people. And what you're talking about really, I think, I think anyway, is just that connections with people are, is the thing that helped you do things that you maybe normally wouldn't have done, you know, it gives Absolutely. It's giving you, you confidence
2: because I joke that my husband believed in me way before I believed in me. But as I continue to do all of those things, I got more confidence. And now I'm around such inspiring people on a weekly, daily basis that it's really helped me to grow as the last six months. I've been doing a lot more things, not just with ed tech people, but with education thought leaders And so that's really helped me to grow and evolve as far as my thinking and really, you
0: know,
2: really determine where exactly I want to be in that space and where I feel like I can best make an impact. Mm
1: -hmm. I know that uh, both of us were in the mastermind today from Teach Better and I made sure I put it on my calendar last week because I was just in need of being around some really creative, energetic, inspirational people. And so I come and go, you know. So I I needed to be there today for my own sanity. And you're right, Debbie. Just joining in those um, places like that, even as virtual. I feel like I know all of those people in that room when I'm done for the for that Monday or for that Tuesday. And uh, those relationships continue to grow and uh, whether it's through Voxer or Twitter or hopefully someday in person would even be better. But uh, it's amazing how much we feed off of one another.
2: And I only could get in there like 25 minutes this morning, but that 25 minutes was powerful, a powerful 25 minutes I came back in at the end. But I really love that and things like that and the leadership lounge that Codebreaker does and their educator lounge. Like I've met so many phenomenal people through that. And great. I would have never met any of those people if it hadn't been for those experiences.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. And this is all virtually, like Adam said. Yeah. I mean, wait till wait till we can all go back to conferences and, and things again. And,
1: and it's just going to be one big party. It's good, <laughs> you know, with all these people. It's going to be great. I went to ISTE in Atlanta whenever it was, I don't know, 14 years ago or 12 years ago. I don't know. It's a while ago. And I had been friends with a lot of people on Twitter. So whatever that means, right? We're friends on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But when we got there, it was a handshake and talking about their families and their pictures yeah. Yeah. that we saw, even though we had never met. It, it really yeah. helps bridge that gap to to build, a, like to get the small talk out of the way. you know. So yeah. when we were in person, we could handle the big stuff. Yeah. But it
2: wasn't even just the professional stuff. I had a death in my family two weeks ago and people as who are part of my PLN mm-hmm. reached out friends. to me with such amazing personal messages that I would have never expected, but it just shows that how deep the connection is, even though we haven't met each in person that we have this connection and we really care about each other.
1: Yep. I got so, a message from um, one of the people in the mastermind that regularly attends. And uh, she said, Hey, are you doing okay? I haven't seen you in the last couple of weeks. Wow. My own people in my own building don't check up on me, but people from <laughs> mastermind that I that live halfway around the world, they check in on me and that's, that's what really makes us connected. And I think that's what makes yeah. the, our profession go round and around and around is that we care for one another and uh, the technology. And that's why we have people like you to help shrink that gap from the haves and have nots in terms of lack of technology and skills of technology. Like I'm surprised that Jeff even wanted to have you on here because he's kind of like a Luddite. So, you know, <laughs> just kidding. Jeff, just kidding. Not, that
0: is not nice. Don't listen to him. He's going to throw out these jabs every now and then, Debbie. I know. I
2: listen to you guys all the time. Yeah,
0: we've known each other a long time, so I guess that's just what happens. I'm like any bully. It makes me feel better, right? (laughs) So so, so I can get Adam to stop talking um, go, <laughs> let, let's, let's talk about the let, talk about the book I mean it, so so the title T- transform right I love that techie notes to make learning stick um, how, how did it, how did it come about I mean how, how did the book come about who's the book for I mean what value do you hope the book will bring to people
2: Sure so transform is actually an acronym. And it basically works in three different parts. And the first part of the book really talks about how to get your feet wet. It kind of shares my personal journey from when I started teaching until I found technology with ups and downs. It's not a, oh, everything was, you know, unicorns and rainbows. I had some tough times during my teaching. You know, it wasn't always perfect. And there were times that I had to fail and I had to learn from those failures. But it really shows my growth as a teacher And then once it talks about that technology piece in the second chapter, it really talks about technology's role in education. Mm. And I talk about what I call transform tech tools that are tools that give opportunities you can't have without the tech that are really versatile and any age can use them. And they really transform or enhance learning. And so in the second chapter, I go through those, I explain what they are, I give you know, I explain how to get started. It even has links to trainings for them. It's a very hands-on guide. And then I give examples and practice for people to look at. And then to close that part, we talk about amplifying learning with creation. I do a lot with Project Zero's thinking routines. And so it talks about that and other ways we can get our students to create and really show creativity. And so that's the first part. And then the second part talks about like Those next steps. So you already have a background, but now you want to take it to the next level. And it talks about nurturing student agency. I work with little kids. um, And so I spend a lot of time with them talking and using icons to help them understand things. I talk about how to use video effectively, how to use our language effectively, and how to really create experiences that empower our students with tech tools. Once we've done that, I switch gears and I talk about teachers and educators, and I talk about how educators can empower themselves with technology, because I don't often feel that that's talked about enough. We kind of talked about it as far as Twitter, but Twitter is just part of that process. Mm. And so I talk about seeking connections from outside of your school, building that PLN, And then in the last section of the book, I talk about taking that transformation to the next level. I talk about offering your voice. I learned that I had a story that only I could tell. Mm. And if you were brave enough to put your voice out there, you'll be surprised how it will be received. I can't even get over the reception I've gotten as I've been putting things out. So it talks about that. It talks about, you know, if you're doing something that's great, try to present at a conference, you know, and it eventually takes to that whole idea of, you know that where my the book came from. And then at that point it talks about ways that you can reach beyond your expectations, don't lim- not limiting yourself and it concludes talking about ways you can really maximize learning. There's so many amazing opportunities right now to learn. And so it especially with covid and everything. Like I said I'm a mother of four. I could not I've presented at 10, 11 conferences this year in 2021. I couldn't afford to do that with four kids, one in college. So it really takes that whole idea and says that these are sticky ways. These are techie notes that will help to make the learning stick for you. And so the goal of it is one of the things that it talks about is when I did icons with my students, it gave them something to hold on to. So I'm trying to give both students and teachers something to hold on to so that using tech is easier and it doesn't require quite as much as you might think.
1: Wow. So is, is your, is, would you consider your book to be a, a guide or more of a, a book that I can sit down and read on the couch on a Friday night to learn? Or what would you say?
2: It's, it's very narrative. Um, it's very story-based, but there are parts that are more that are more technical, where it's going to say, you know, especially the second two, the chapters two and three, really kind of lead you through how to do certain things with tech tools. So, but it's all done in a very. Uh, most of the things originally came from my blog and have been adapted and added to. So it is something you can sit down and read, but it also is giving you practical ways that you can use the tech so that you can take what you've read. On a Saturday and on a Monday, try to find a way to put it into practice.
1: Nice. Well, let's give a shout out to the blog at Tannenbaum Tech because I'll tell you, if the book is written as well as the blog posts, you should be selling those babies like hot kicks.
2: Thank you. I I appreciate your writing
1: style. It's really good. Thank you.
2: I appreciate that. I've really been loving blogging. And, you know, I I started writing this, I didn't really think anything was going to come of it. And on December 24th, I saw. Darren post something saying, if you have a story, share it with me. And I sent him a message saying I'm working on something, but I'm not sure if it's any good. And he said, let's set up a time to meet. And I met with him. And at that point, I might, it might've been about halfway done. And within a month I had finished the book. I got so inspired, so jazzed up as I was talking to him. Good for you. Um, And, you know, it's just shocking, like how somebody who I didn't even know four months ago. Has been part of a change in my life completely. Wow. And then I got to meet all the other awesome R- RTA authors like Jeff.
0: Hey, yep. <laughs> I mean, it literally, Debbie happened about the same for me. I saw his post that he was starting a publishing company and I reached out to him and I said the same thing. Hey, I've got something I've been working on, been working on for quite, at the time I've been working on for, for probably a year. And just, you know, kind of like you thought, I I don't know if this is anything, you know, but I feel like I I feel compelled to write it, you know, and uh, he loved it. And, uh, you know, I had a contract the day the day after we we set up our meeting so
1: well you know it's been fun jeff Uh, you had that you had that story you also have a different story that you've shared and way Mm -hmm. back when debbie and jeff and i were teaching together we started a writing club and i think there was maybe three people in it and then it was just me and jeff so either it was our personalities or a bad writer one of the two we've always been writers and i've always appreciated jeff's insight but i you know when i write man, the, the thoughts are so clear and I can review the week. I can review the weekend. I can talk to myself through those issues sometimes that we face. So writing is Absolutely. such a, a great platform.
2: And I found that like, you know, throughout the years that there have been things that have challenged me or things that haven't gone the way I wanted them to. And writing helps me work all that out. That reflection piece has been so key for me to grow. And mm-hmm. I get it. And some of my blog posts, as you read them, you'll, you can see me going through that process as I write. And then others, you know, it just depends on the day. Today, I wrote about mm. the new RTA book because I was so inspired by it. And I was like, I wish when I had been a classroom teacher, I had a book like this to talk to my students because I hadn't been exposed to a book like this until I started reading adult books in the last year and a half.
1: Mm. Uh, How do we get books like your book in the hands of pre-service teachers? Because uh, mm. Jeff, again, once again, it's our story that we're sharing tonight. It seems sure. like, but way back, remember when Alfie Cohen came to Elgin, and we saw Alfie yeah. Cohen, and I think we were both enamored by what there's like authors that write books besides textbooks for yeah. students. So I that was the beginning, and that was my first second year. That was my second year, and I was that I, it was a fire that was lit at that point.
2: I had no idea and, and honestly, until I read Dave Burgess, um, you know, Teach Like a Pirate, I was like, wait, people can write like that. That's the way I write. Mm-hmm, yeah. I don't have to write something that's, in my opinion, really dry. Because sometimes you would get read a book and you would be like, oh God, I have to read two more pages.
0: Uh-huh.
2: I love these books where it's more narrative and it's like someone telling the story because as I'm reading those people's stories, I make connections to my story and to other people's story. And it makes you feel like you know someone.
0: So true. I can't Settled wait to
2: better together.
0: Yep. So so um, you're, you're published, you have a contract with Darren Peppard and, and uh, Road to Awesome. When does the book come out? Can you tell us that?
2: We're working on finishing it. So I'm going to say I think it's going to be out in May.
0: May. Fantastic. Coming up. Just
2: I'm really excited. Yeah. Way. Yeah,
0: that's so exciting. Well, we can't wait, and and we encourage all of our listeners to go out when it comes out and buy a copy. Transform techie notes to make learning sticky. I love it. So good, so good, Debbie. Thank you. So uh, you know, Debbie, as you've as you've moved along in your education journey of some twenty plus years. It, is there a challenge or or an opportunity that you've had that you can think about um, that has come along the way, and and maybe you've um, you know puzzled through how about you know how to get there, how to how to how to how to puzzle through that? I mean, what's what comes to your mind?
2: Well, obviously, I've like I said, I've had lots of them, but the most recent one that comes to mind is two years ago I got de-staffed at the end of my first year being a tech coach and I was going to have to be in two different buildings and I was kind of not happy about that I didn't and they were a half an hour apart in rush hour and it just was not going to work for me and I ended up at the school I'm at now well those two schools were very different and so it definitely was an adjustment but looking back I have learned so much through that experience that I would have never learned if I had stayed in the school I had been at and I love mm. I love both schools but they were just different and I just learned so much about working with a really big staff we have close to 100 teachers on our in our faculty and working just working with you know working in a bigger system I had 20 teachers total in my first school and I just learned I learned how to deal with different people. I learned about different leadership styles and it really helped me to grow as an educator because I got to take a situation that I had never been in. And I really got to say, okay, how am I going to make this work for me while still respecting the culture? And Mm. it's been a really wonderful experience, but at first it was hard because I was used to doing things a certain way. And it's hard when you're used to doing things a certain way to change it around.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: But throughout the year through blogging, I really have been able to find things that have made me stronger. Things like the co-teaching I do with my teachers. That was part of what I did. Things like learning ways to really be efficient in a half an hour, teaching a bunch of kindergartners, technology, things that I just hadn't experienced. And, you know, obviously there's been so many challenges and lessons in this past year with COVID uh, as far as changes in technology and changes in um, settings and just really making sure that I support the teachers on my staff the best I possibly can.
1: Mm. Well... (laughs) Sounds like you've learned quite a bit and uh, Jeff and I can relate to the shared buildings. I know Jeff, he's going to be sharing buildings next year and I am currently sharing buildings and I feel your pain, but I also feel your triumphant attitude. So on days where I want it to go, well, it's in my attitude more than it is anything. Buildings. Now you have added another twist. Mine is only like, Mm three quarters of a mile away. You had to go through town traffic and everything else. So I should be ashamed of ever feeling, you know, put down. (laughs) Well, I
2: actually didn't end up having to do that. I ended up getting a job at the school I'm at now, which like I said, totally different building. So I ended up being in one place, but I had been working in a school with 500 kids and I went to a school with a thousand kids. Well, that was a big adjustment as far as me making sure that I was supporting students and staff. There were a lot more people to support
1: Yeah, that's, you're totally right. So Debbie, with uh, all the things that you shared with us today, you've got a book coming out. What are you most hopeful for in the next coming year?
2: I am really hopeful that we take some of the lessons in this past year and we implement Mm -hmm. them in practice, especially when it comes to PD. Um, Making sure that we offer people hybrid and virtual options to learn, that we don't make learning and being a lifelong learner so cost prohibitive. Mm -hmm that we really open things up and we don't view things in boxes, but we look at well, we're all trying to be better educators and thinking about the connections that many of us have made. Well, we're just a small fraction of educators. We should not be the only educators who have those connections and have those opportunities. And I just really think that, and I hope, that in the future we continue to expand on them, mostly for PD because I'm a tech coach but also for our students, thinking about all the ways our students have learned to connect with the outside world, connect with each other. School doesn't have to be the same way it was. We can really, revision, you know, reconceptualize what school should be and really focus more on that learning piece versus just that school piece. We've proven that learning doesn't have to happen in a brick and mortar building, that there mm-hmm. are ways that we can do that in innovative ways. And really taking those best practices and putting them in place. My teachers learned so much through this process, things that they would have never learned. My kindergarten, first and second grade teachers are Pear Deck experts. Before March, they had never seen Pear Deck. Uh, You know, just things like that. People have learned to take tools and give their students opportunities and access that they wouldn't have had. And I just think that's I just celebrate that every day because that didn't happen because of me that happened because there was a need that had never been there before. And I hope that need continues.
1: Excellent. Totally. Excellent. Wow. Yeah, that's
0: so great. I think that, um, I think, you know, we hear this a lot and I, I'm so glad to hear that 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 people really want to take the lessons that they've learned over the past year and make them more common. You know, really think about the things that we did during this pandemic and, and ask ourselves, can we do that on a regular basis? If it was good for kids, can we do that on a regular basis, you know? I love the fact that you said, don't make lifelong learning cost prohibitive, right? I mean, I think that's so important and I, I, I'm, I'm at the high school level. And so for me, that looks like, and so are you, Adam, but as I look at more and more universities and colleges that don't require the ACT or SAT as an entry point, I think, okay, well, they're right there. Kids are going to be able to save money. They don't have to take that test because it doesn't, it's not a requirement for entry into school anymore. So small gains like that, I will take, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that.
2: But even just college, I mean, I have, I have a college freshman and, you know, be, getting a college education is very expensive and, you know, oh, yes. and, you know, knowing that these these kids are going to end up with these loans that are going to take them a very long time to get rid of, you know, lifelong learning should be something that we can access. And it shouldn't be something that we decide we can't access because we don't have the money.
0: Yeah. Amen to that. I love that. I love that. It's very costly. It's yeah. very costly, and there—I think there are a lot of uh, careers and opportunities for kids that don't require college. Now, now, education saved me. You know, I, I'm so I'm I'm always going to be one to encourage college and encourage lifelong learning, as you put it, but recognizing that it doesn't necessarily take place inside of four walls, right? Right. I, I agree with that.
2: And I think I've learned more in the last year from some of these Zoom conversations than I have in any training like that's where I'm learning that's where I'm growing and being pushed it's not okay here's 45 minutes to have a discussion but it's a continual process we meet in the mastermind every week you know I'm off. you Jeff you're also a teach better ambassador we do activities Mm -hmm. continually it's not just a one-off but it's a building of a relationship that helps each other grow. And I think that's really something we need to look at in the future because many times trainings are given and then they're let go and no, there's no follow-up and we need to make sure
0: that
2: that continues.
0: So true. I think that's the bane of 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 our uh, some of our existence as administrators is professional development. That well, as educators too, professional development. That's one stop, you know, and they, yeah. it happens at the beginning of the year, and you don't hear anything else about it for the rest
1: of the year. So, so I'm hearing a call to action by Debbie tonight, Jeff. I'm hearing that. And by you, you both have said that there's things that need to stay in place in our schools that we've learned over this past year and a couple of months because of COVID. And the the only way we're gonna be able to make those things stick to use Debbie's terminology, (laughs) is to have a plan of action because not every administrator or every teacher is going to agree with us on some of these things. I think that some of my students that had online courses this year for the first time ever, because either they were fearful of COVID or just using it as an excuse not to come to school because they were always truant some of them have better scores and the curriculum it was very it was either written poorly or it was very difficult i thought when i would read through it and they were getting a's and b's and c's for the first time of their their educational That's career true. so yep. why would we not continue that so here's the call to action right what do we need to do to make sure those things stick in place for the future
2: absolutely mm-hmm.
1: so true i love that
0: And with that, Debbie Tannenbaum, it has been a pleasure speaking with you tonight. Thanks so much for coming out of the Principal Leadership Lab and getting to know us a little bit better and and talking about some of your hopes and dreams and your challenges and opportunities. And people, buy the book. It's coming out this year, May, very soon. Sooner than we know, it'll be here. Transform Techie Notes to make learning sticky. I love it. Debbie, thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. You're welcome. Yeah, Adam, we'll see you next time on the Principal Leadership Lab.
1: Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the Principal Leadership Lab. Feel free to connect with us in between episodes on Twitter and on Instagram. All of our information is included within our show notes. Until next time, this is Adam signing off for the Principal Leadership Lab.